Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back everyone for another episode of the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, I'm your host, and today I have a very exciting guest for all of you to listen to. Uh, Today we have Dimple Gandhi on the show. Dimple, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Alexi. It's a pleasure. So, Dimple, you are a PharmD graduate from MCPHS University in Boston, and you're a current fellow in Global Medical Affairs within Takeda's Oncology Business Unit. Is that correct? Yeah. Awesome. So on today's episode, uh, we'll be learning about Dimple's journey and how she got to where she is today. We're going to dive deep into her current position, what she does in her current role, and any tips that she has for those of you that are listening and hoping to land a fellowship one day. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Just a friendly disclaimer that the views and opinions expressed um, in this podcast are my own and not those of my employer. Okay, so Dimple, let's start at the very beginning. What made you decide that you wanted to pursue pharmacy? You know, that's a great question because, to be honest, I I didn't know for a very long time. Growing up, I found my passion for makeup at a very young age, and I genuinely thought I wanted to be a makeup artist for the rest of my life. And it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I started thinking seriously about what career options I could pursue. And I I was always interested in healthcare. Um, I was good at chemistry and biology, and I liked science. So I chose pharmacy because... It was the perfect happy medium for me. I didn't want to be a full-fledged physician, and I think um, the study of drugs and the body is found it very fascinating. So I, I chose pharmacy for that reason. And towards the beginning of my classes, um, I was quite skeptical, to be honest. And then as I hit my professional years, I, I fell in love with the coursework and um, the profession as a whole. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's funny that you said in the in the beginning you were a little skeptical. I feel like that happens to pretty much everyone in pharmacy school, because yeah. if, you, if you go through like a pre-pharmacy program, at first you, you come in and you realize you don't learn about drugs for like a couple of years and you're like, when yeah. are we going to get into the into the drugs? But yeah, once you hit those professional years, uh, things definitely start to get interesting. And I felt that same way. Uh, great. So what other types of activities and clubs were you involved in during your time at pharmacy school? Yeah. So looking back, I actually did quite a bit during pharmacy school. All throughout my six years, I worked three jobs. I was involved in clubs and on-campus activities, and I I studied for what felt like 24-7, all while maintaining a social life and trying to explore Boston. So during my earlier years of pharmacy school, I was involved in a lot of on-campus leadership roles, such as orientation leader, peer mentor. I worked at the library as a desk attendant. I worked in student financial services. I was a tour guide, and those um, were really a good foundation for my leadership experience and allowed me to get involved with the students and on campus. And then towards my later years, I was working at a retail pharmacy, at a hospital, and I also volunteered at Dana-Farber. 
Great. So those sound like awesome experiences. Um, so when you were going through all of that, at what point would you say that you realized that you wanted to pursue a fellowship? And in general, why do you think you were drawn to the pharmaceutical industry as opposed to some of the other more traditional paths? Yep. So when I started pharmacy school, I thought my two career options were retail and hospital. And honestly, I could not see myself doing either of those for an extended period of time. One day during my second year, before my P1 year out of a six-year program, a friend of mine invited me to attend a club meeting. And um, I, I went to the club meeting because they were having free food. And if you're a pharmacy student listening, you can relate. So I attended the meeting and they had a guest speaker talking about internships. And all I remember thinking is, I'm looking for an internship this summer. So I found the link and I applied and I didn't put too much thought at, as to what I was applying for and what I'd be doing. Fortunately, I was able to land the position. It was an internship with Novartis, which really opened my eyes to a whole new world that I never knew existed. And um, I, I loved it. I worked with a lot of fellows during that internship, most of whom I still keep in contact with today. And that's when I decided I wanted to pursue a fellowship. And to answer the second part of your question, Alexi, I think I'm drawn to industry because to me, it's the perfect balance of having a job that's flexible while still practicing healthcare in a way that's impactful to patients. And if and this career path can really um, take you on so many different options and there's so many new opportunities if you're open to exploring them. So I definitely recommend it to prospective candidates. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And it's really interesting. So when you talk about your your first internship that you had, you you described it as a whole a whole different world from what you had been used to. And yeah, I remember when I had my first industry experience. Um, I had mine with Pfizer, but when I came back, you know, to start my the next semester of, of college, and all my friends were kind of asking me, you know, how it went, and they they asked like, what kind of work did you do? What did you work on when you were there? I described it the same exact way. I described it as it's it's just a whole different world because. In pharmacy school, everyone gets those retail experiences. Everyone gets those hospital, inpatient, outpatient experiences. But then if you are able to land an experience in the pharmaceutical industry, it's just, it's so hard to describe to people that haven't done it. And that's why I I really say, you know, if you think you might have any interest whatsoever, just apply for those internships while you're in pharmacy school. You have nothing to lose. I mean, most of them, as far as I'm aware, are paid, right? I would say pretty mm -hmm. much all of them are paid. So um, you, you will make money at the very least. And if you don't like it, great. At least you know you don't like that and you got that experience. But without having that experience, it's so hard to to get prospective candidates to just understand whether or not they would like it or not. So it's really interesting that you described it that way. Absolutely. I agree. And I, and I still struggle with describing it to people that have never experienced this because it's, it's very different and um, it's hard to envision and it's very, very collaborative and project-based. It's truly is a different world. Um, and I, and I love it. A hundred percent. So, okay. So we talked a little bit about your prior industry experience. So when it came to applying to fellowship programs, how did that experience help you during that process? So I had an, in, um, an industry internship with Novartis, which was sort of big pharma um, before my professional years of pharmacy school. And then during my sixth year appy rotation year, I had a three month long rotation at a very small biotech in, um, in Boston. And it was really nice for me to see both sides of the spectrum in terms of big companies and small companies. And of course, a very small capacity and time frame for a student. And that helped me solidify my decision to pursue a fellowship. 
And I'm aware that industry internships are extremely competitive and hard to get. So after my first one, I originally thought, okay, the next couple of years, I'm just going to do another industry internship again and again to make myself the best fellowship candidate possible. But it didn't work out that way. So for two to three consecutive years, I wasn't able to land another internship. And I took that time, that opportunity to make myself a well-rounded candidate. I worked at Harvard University in their retail pharmacy. I worked at a community hospital and I think um, those experiences provided me with a lot of transferable skills. So to answer your question, industry experience helped me validate and confirm that I love this field and I want to pursue a fellowship. But for fellowship applications specifically, I think um, industry experience is not crucial. And I actually ended up speaking a lot more about my um, rotations and my schoolwork during my interviews while connecting it to the transferable skills of industry. That is so interesting. I everything you're saying is stuff that I've either said in the past <laughs> or or have had conversations with my friends that are fellows now at other companies and we you know we all went through that process together but I totally agree like having that industry experience is is a plus and yes it does make you stand out but nowadays like so many people have industry experience and I yeah. remember thinking back to interviews yeah I think I talked more about my experiences outside of my actual industry internship mm-hmm. so I, I couldn't agree more with that so uh, with that said, that, that kind of leads into my next question. Um, this is something I get asked all the time from students, and I want to start asking my guests this as well to get as many perspectives as I can for the listeners. Um, but what do you think made you a good candidate for fellowships? You know, if I'm being honest, there was never a doubt in my mind that I was not a good candidate for fellowships. I always had this strong, intrinsic feeling that I love industry. I'm going to make my way into this um, environment some way or another and really thrive here. But in terms of specifics, I think I was a good candidate because of the amount of transferable skills I had developed. So throughout college, I really put myself out there with the variety of things I did from on-campus leadership roles to pharmacy um, experiences. And just a culmination of all of these experiences have allowed me to strengthen my interpersonal skill set, work with a variety of people, and develop a toolkit of these, you know, quote-unquote soft skills that are so important in industry today and arguably in every field. And being aware of these and sort of leveraging these experiences to my advantage during my fellowship interviews is um, really what hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. Awesome. Thank you for for that perspective. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's interesting now that we are on the other side of, of going through that process and have been involved with interviewing candidates. There's a lot of things that I think stand out, but honestly, to stand out, it I don't think it's as hard as people think, right? There's just a few key things that you need to do well. Um, For the listeners, this is my first time speaking to Dimple. This is our first time meeting. (laughs) And I can already tell, honestly, from from speaking with you that you are extremely well-spoken. And that alone goes such a long way during interviews because if you're able to verbalize and you know communicate well why you want the position and and how your past experiences correlate to you being a good candidate that is like 90 percent of what you need to do to to get an offer at least from some company um so i i think that is a huge part of it and i could totally see why you ended up getting the fellowship (laughs) (laughs) so now that we've talked a little bit about your fellowship interview process and and how you managed to to go through that Um, obviously, you know, you did end up accepting a fellowship offer in global medical affairs with Takeda. So let's transition a little bit. And can you talk a little bit about your role and the type of work that you're involved in nowadays? 
Yeah, of course. So my program is a two-year program, and it's a brand new one, which is exciting. The first year is focused in medical communications only, and then during my second year, I have the opportunity to do three different rotations across the oncology business unit. So medical affairs is a large umbrella term, and each company has a little bit of a different structure. But at Takeda, I work within medical communications, which is a function under medical affairs that's responsible for developing and disseminating scientific and clinical information on our therapies and the diseases they treat. So we focus on doing this in a consistent manner. So using one scientific voice across all of our various channels. And some examples of these channels are publications, training, medical information, medical education, and congresses. And an aspect of the role that I find particularly interesting and love is the medical strategy component. So the process of determining our medical priorities and using evidence-based tactics to achieve them or create a plan to achieve them. And some of some examples of the work that I've been involved in is the creation of a dossier to convey the value proposition. So, you know, safety, efficacy data of a new launch product to payers. And I've also been involved in leading a cross-functional effort across all of our medical affairs um, functions to streamline and develop our Congress strategy from a higher brand level versus a um, siloed functional perspective. Awesome. Very interesting. Um, yeah, you're right. Medical affairs is such an umbrella term and there's so many, you know, possible career path paths just within medical affairs. And I think it's a, a very intriguing field. And I, I think it's probably the area that, you know, potential candidates are most attracted to, right? When, you, when you're in pharmacy school and you're thinking about uh, the pharmaceutical industry, I think medical affairs um, is the most popular fellowship yep. uh, position that is applied for and for a good reason. I think it's a great role for for a pharmacist to, to fit into that type of area. Um, I remember, you know, myself, when I was applying, I was really debating between two functional areas, medical affairs and, and pharmacovigilance, um, just because I had experiences in both. Obviously, I ended up choosing pharmacovigilance, but, you know, I do have an elective during my fellowship program, and I plan to, to do that elective in medical mm -hmm. affairs. So it's a super interesting area. Um, so that kind of leads into my next question. How did you decide that medical affairs was for you uh, when you compared it to the other functional areas available? Yeah, so I that's a great question. I'd really say it was a combination of my own research and exposure. So during my internship with Novartis, it was in clinical operations oncology. So we worked on phase one first in human clinical trials on cancer patients. And with that experience, I realized I loved oncology but I don't think I could see myself doing clinical operations for the rest of my life. And as a result, I, I was like, okay, I like industry, but now I got to find what part of industry. So I took the initiative to do a lot of my own research. And by research, I mean, Google searches, um, online interviews. I listened to podcasts. I, I wish I had this podcast when I was a student. And I also networked with a lot of fellows on LinkedIn. So I looked at a lot of these different functional areas and sort of compared it to the skills that I have and thought about where I could be best suited to deliver value. And um, for example, I, I know that I'm not um, good at labs and I know that a research lab focused role is not an area where I would thrive, but I love talking to people. I love being close to the science and I love generating evidence. So I stumbled upon medical affairs and thought um, it might be good for me. And then luckily during my sixth year of rotations, I was able to pick an elective rotation in medical affairs, which um, essentially confirmed 
what I thought. And it worked out that it was a small company because um, we didn't have these different departments under the umbrella at that company. So it was just a handful of people doing all of medical affairs, you know, all of the field work, all of the strategy and um, the other components that fall. So I got to see a real um, good, good view from that. Awesome. So I want to pick out something that you said. So you mentioned you had all these different avenues of basically gathering information on the different functional areas. So you mentioned you know, you did a lot of Google searches, you networked on LinkedIn, you were able to get that experience that you talked about. So out of all of those, is there one that you think was the most effective in helping you make that decision? I think um, talking to people has was the most effective. So you can do all the searches online, but, you know, reading articles online and understanding them are two very different things, especially if it's a very medical affairs heavy text. You know, if you're not working in that area, you don't understand what it means. So speaking to fellows, I found it the most helpful because I was able to hear their perspective from being a student to what they think, what they do. And um, I, I focused a lot on what work they do because, you know, it's helpful to know, can I can I see myself doing something like this? So I found um, LinkedIn and meeting people to be the most effective in making my decision. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I just I just wanted to point that out because I think that's very useful for the listeners that are, yeah. you know, still in pharmacy school. I talk about LinkedIn all the time and I did the same thing. All my friends that got fellowships did the same thing. You know, we all reached out to fellows that were in the positions that we thought we were interested in and could see ourselves yeah. in one day and I I could not recommend doing that more. Just I, it, some people may feel awkward reaching out to these random fellows, right? But please just do it. We're not going to say no, right? We we know <laughs> we were in that position. We had to go through that too. So just reach out and, and make that time to connect. And I think it'll help you really understand the type of role that you may be getting yourself into. So uh, definitely. So moving on, what is a common misconception about your role or, you know, the pharmaceutical industry in general? So um, this touches a little bit on the conversation we had earlier. So for people not in industry, I feel like there's this huge misconception that this is, I guess, quote unquote, the dark side. And there's a stigma that if you are in industry, you're not using your pharmacy knowledge. And I can't tell you how many times people tell me, Dimple, you're a pharmacist, but how do you get to work from home? And I think it's a concept that it's hard for people to understand because they're so used to seeing your traditional CVS, Walgreens, and hospital pharmacists. While I was a student, I actually had a lot of faculty members and people, people that I worked with tell me to not pursue this path. And I think it just boils down to a lack of awareness of industry and the huge role that pharmacists can play here. Like industry employs a variety of people from business backgrounds, finance, physicians, nurses, software engineers, and there's certainly a place for pharmacists in various areas to, to make an impact here. A hundred percent. Yeah. The dark side is something I heard constantly. I, I still get it from my friends that I graduated with that went yes. into other areas of pharmacy. But yeah, I think that you, you brought up a lot of really great points. And I, I, again, that's why I really say, you know, if you're in pharmacy school, just try to get the experience and see for yourself, whether, whether or not you think that's the case. And, you know, if you, if you have an internship and you come out and you still think about it the same way, that's, that's fine. Right. You know, you have so many other options, but um, I, I just think there's so much value in getting that experience that that actually reminds me of when I had that first uh, industry experience at Pfizer and I was able to, uh, you know, I was involved with different vaccines and seeing the statistics and the data that 
that Pfizer had on different vaccines and the amount of patients worldwide that were able to get those treatments and how many lives it saved. It's like, it's just such a different perspective than, you know, what you would get in other areas. So uh, definitely could not agree more with what you said. Absolutely. So, okay. So we talked a little bit about misconceptions about your role in, in, in the industry, but how has your fellowship in general been different from what you were expecting, right? Because you sound like you were extremely well-prepared for the interview process. Um, and, you know, I agree with that. I was too, but I'm sure there's things that differ from what you thought you were getting into. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Lexi, I think that's a really great question. So I always imagined being a fellow and working for a company in Cambridge and near Boston in the city. So in that sense, I've gotten what I wanted and um, what I imagined. But with that being said, it's also very different from what I expected. And one component of that is the virtual environment. Not going to harp on it too much because I know everyone in, in the world is facing the struggle in one way or another. And while, while I love my job as a fellow, you know, not every day is rainbows and sunshine. And there have been many small and big challenges along the way. And I can talk about some of those examples. So I guess the first thing I would say is I was not prepared for how long it takes to adjust into a new role. So as pharmacy students, we're used to learning things very quickly and making an impact in such a short amount of time, a few short weeks with an internship or rotations. And um, I, it really takes five to six months. At, there is that growth curve with the fellowship to feel comfortable and to feel like a contributing functional member. So that's just one thing that I've um, had to learn to adjust to and become used to. Another thing is, this is very important um, to realize, but I, I, was, I didn't realize that there, there are things that we can do as pharmacists and there are things that we cannot do as pharmacists working in industry due to the highly regulated nature um, of the industry environment. And um, it's, it's a learning experience to be able to recognize those differences and um, be aware of when, when to use which, which side of your brain, if you will. 100%. Yeah, the learning curve is really interesting. Uh, I know this definitely probably varies, you know, fellowship by fellowship. Um, but for me, I I definitely found that to be true. I, you know, I had plenty of industry experiences. So coming into my fellowship, I thought I was pretty well prepared. And then you start and then you kind of realize, okay, you know, nothing and, and you're starting, you're starting from the ground and you, you have a you look up and there's a huge skyscraper ahead of you. Um, but the other thing that's interesting is like for my fellowship and fellowships like mine, where mine is rotation based. So I'll be, you know, with one team for, I don't know, it it varies, but like say four months, for example, Mm -hmm. um, it'll take me about half that time to kind of like just get up to speed a little bit and feel like I'm actually a contributing member of the team. And then towards the end of the rotation, I'm fully in it. I feel pretty confident about my role and, and what I'm doing. And then I move on to my next rotation and it's a totally different team, all new people, totally different, you know, daily work tasks and and things like that. And I feel like I'm starting over again. Um, And it's definitely something to, that you have to get used to and you have to be comfortable with that aspect going in. You have to know that and expect to be in that position. Um, But that's also the great thing about a fellowship program because you are able to get all these different experiences and yeah, you feel like you are starting over and over and over, but then you kind of look back on the last year and you think, wow, I actually got so many different experiences. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, that was definitely applicable. I, I completely agree with everything you said, especially about starting. You know, I, like you mentioned earlier, I'm like, okay, I have all of these experience. I'm, I'm going to be good at this. And then you start and you're like, of course, there's, there is that learning curve, which is expected. So um, nothing new there. 
<laughs> I, I also think a, a big reason for that is kind of what you mentioned earlier about how many different types of people and different backgrounds uh, that are employed in industry, right? Because in pharmacy, we're so used to working with, mm -hmm. you know, other pharmacists or technicians or physicians, nurses, basically people with healthcare backgrounds. But then once you start working in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, day to day, I, I'm reaching out for help from like statisticians, epidemiologists, and people with all sorts of backgrounds. So um, that's definitely something that I think you have to get used to. But it's also something that I absolutely love about pharma is how yeah. how how many types of people with all these different backgrounds from all different walks of life that you get the chance to meet. Yeah, I enjoy that so much. Great. So uh, my last question for you is based on something that I know you wanted to touch on. So can you talk a little bit about some advice or tips on how to really make the most of your fellowship experience? This is really important. And I myself spend a lot of time thinking about it because two years sounds like a long time. But in reality, you learn so much during that time. And like I said, you rotate through so many teams that I'm constantly thinking about how can I make the most of my time in the program? So how do you approach, you know, making the most of the of your time in your program? Yeah, Alexi, I think it's super important to think about this. I'm constantly trying to take advantage of the unique opportunities available to me. And as we mentioned, one of the major benefits of a fellow is that we're not restricted to doing just one thing. And I found that seeking experiences in areas that I'm interested in, even if it's not part of my functional area or not part of my rotations, can still be helpful and done. So for example, I was able to do um, two separate projects with the global clinical supply chain team and one with the payer value access team. And it's both are areas of the business where I have um, had no previous exposure to, but I found very interesting and I was able to learn a lot from the people that I worked with and um, was able to contribute to some great projects along the way. Another thing I'd like to mention is I'm always looking at job descriptions to make sure I can obtain those necessary qualifications and experiences during my fellowship. So I know a lot of people do this towards the end of their program, but I think doing it earlier on, you're able to identify gaps in those requirements, job requirements, and sort of um, have conversations about how you can obtain that so you're better prepared for when you do go out and find a job. I think it's um, very important, of course, to build relationships with the people in your functional area and the colleagues you work with, but also just as beneficial to build um, relationships with people in different areas of the company and different parts and having a whole other group of people that can also vouch for you. I always like to say, you know, find a network and then find a network outside of your network. Um, Another thing is, aside from your main role, it might be helpful to get involved in organizations that are within or outside your company. I currently hold a leadership position at the Women's Inclusion Network organization at Takeda, and that's been great because it's taught me a whole new skill set as well as introduced me to um, a variety of new people. And I guess the last thing I'll say is I had a mentor give me this piece of advice a couple of years ago. To, to work on doing a mind sh mindset shift from being, you know, focused on chasing titles to being focused on chasing skill sets. I think especially being so young in our career, we're always thinking, I want to be a postdoc fellow. I want to be associate director. I want to be manager, whatever it may be. But what if we start to think, I want to be a more strategic thinker. I want to be a better leader. I want to be more creative. And if you're chasing these skills, um, the titles and the money and so on will, will come naturally, but it'll make you a better professional. And that's um, just another thing that I've been um, working on throughout my fellowship. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much. 
Uh, <clears throat> so much good advice in what you just said. Uh, you know, first of all, chasing the knowledge that is a hundred percent true. And that's something I get told a lot from various mentors that I have is, you know, they, they never really chased a position. The position just came naturally because once you develop that knowledge and that skill set, it's just a natural fit for you to obtain that position. So I think that's really good advice. Um, you know, looking at job descriptions too, you mentioned that. I think that's a really good idea because, you know, we're not exactly chasing the job, but at the same time, we do have to make sure that we're hitting all the key competencies that we're expected to have in order to obtain that type of role post-fellowship. So that's actually a really, really good idea. And I, I think a lot of fellows, if, if they're listening, that's something that they should consider doing as well. And it's nice to do it um, just a little bit early because you you know you have one year left and you're like, okay, I can, I can make this happen the next year. Um, the, the issue is like at the end of the two years, if you're looking at jobs, you, you may or may not have um, had, had all the experiences that you, you wanted to. Definitely. Yeah. You also mentioned using your fellowship to get experience outside of, you know, where your fellowship technically is in. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm doing something similar. And I think the point of me telling the story is that you, your fellowship team will be flexible and they'll help get you the experiences that you want. That's, that's what I've heard from every fellow that I've spoken to. So for example, um, with my team, I, the way my fellowship is structured is I had a, uh, an elective rotation scheduled at the very end of my two years. Um, but I decided, you know, there's a particular area in the company that I want to do my elective in. And I reached out to someone in that area of the company. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in doing a rotation for a few months with you. Uh, would that be possible? And, you know, we agreed that it would be possible. But they told me that there's a very specific time of the year that they think would be most valuable for me to do it. So I ended up having to basically reorganize my schedule or my curriculum for my fellowship program. And at first I was kind of nervous about asking my team, you know, can I do that? Can, can we kind of shift around some rotations? But they worked with me and, and we made it work. So I think that's just an example of, you know, being proactive and trying to get the experiences that you really want. And that's another reason why a fellowship program is great because once you're out of fellowship, you, you may not have the flexibility to yeah. do something like that. I'm so glad to hear that story. It's wonderful. Yeah, so definitely uh, if you are in a position one day where you are doing a fellowship, just be creative and try to think, how can I maximize the time that I have here? Um, so that's one way that I'm doing it, and I'm sure there's plenty of other ways that other fellows are doing it. Okay, so in conclusion, thank you so much, Dimple, for being on the show today. Uh, thank you for explaining your journey and, and providing all of that valuable advice. It was an absolute pleasure getting to, to meet you and finally speak to you. Uh, and I'm sure listeners will definitely find this episode valuable. Thank you so much for having me, Alexi. Sure. So with that, thank you all for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.